Hello, Haley is on the podcast. I am excited. This is a really fun episode because Haley is one of my great friends from the suburb of Riverside and I I am excited to have her on the podcast. So a little bit about Haley and I, we we're friends or we were we still are friends <laughs> we were <laughs> no we still are friends but we became friends our senior year of high school through a program that our city was running and because Haley goes to a total different high school than I it's a different yes. district too total yeah, different so. district than mine so we became friends senior year, and we've been friends ever since. So I, it's been a blessing because Haley is so creative, <laughs> and we're going to talk all about it. But Haley, would you like to just introduce yourself to the podcast? Uh, I'm Haley, like Allison said. <laughs> uh, we've been friends for quite a few years. I've been asking her and bugging her to come on the podcast because I always have a lot to say <laughs> like yeah. at any given time about any given topic. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, I normally am a resident of uh, LA, but I've been stuck in Riverside since Mm. the quarantine. Yep. So, um, which speaking of which, they they're pretty sure gonna do spring online, which I I don't know will affect me because I might be gone for study abroad. But it looks like we won't be going back to UCLA until at least next fall. Next fall, which is not surprising, but. Yeah, no, um, CBU is the exact same, We, which was honestly controversial on their end because my school, and we'll probably bounce off of each other during the course of this episode, but I go to a private school. So with private schools, they have more leeway, I guess, to determine like, oh, yeah, we do want to go in person or we do want to continue with virtual. Yeah. But they decided that, it needs to be online, which personally I have no problem with. I will admit, don't like online school at all. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone does, to be quite honest. Yeah. But especially Riverside County, it's just not getting better. Like, it's not getting better. Right. Yeah. So it only I makes mean, sense. The only feasible way is if, if we get a vaccine under control, which it seems like we're going to, but it's still going to take some time. Yeah. Um, the other only thing was that people were thinking maybe they'd try to push it, put us back a little earlier to UCLA because just of money mm. and getting like dorming and all that stuff like is the source of revenue for the school. But um, like you said, they're, you, the UC system's tied with the state, so that's probably they're a little more strict, even though I remember when all this stuff was starting back in March, UCLA was one of the last schools, like major schools to like actually officially announce that we're yeah, like going were. home. I do. Remember like I remember that. people, I remember the day that it was announced, we were in class and we were all like, like there was like this whole Reddit thread on the UCLA <laughs> Reddit and everybody was talking about, we gotta go, man. Like we can't. Yeah, like, we can't stay here anymore. Danger. And at the time, we thought that, like, young people weren't affected by it. But even still, people were like, this, I mean, we got a lot of old faculty. So You guys do, yeah. Um, and, I mean, so yeah. so do we. But I remember that day vividly. It was March 3rd. Well, it was March. Yeah. Actually, 
March 13th is when like the rest of the world was like, yeah, we are going to end this day. Cause it was, I remember it was Friday the 13th. And I remember that I was still in school and then you guys got the call that said, yeah, UCLA is going at home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, finally. So then once you guys said it, then CBU finally put it into works. So they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to have an extended spring break. Throwback to when we all had an extended th- spring break. Um, yeah, and then I mean, now. I don't know. I think a lot of people that I knew had the sense that it was going to be longer than that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I really knew many people who were f- convinced that <laughs> it was at least my friend group. I know there's a lot of people who had different experiences, even at UCLA, where people thought like, oh, it's spring break. But I know the, the attitude in my friend group was definitely like, we're not coming back like my friend who uh I have a friend who's from Argentina Felipe uh-huh. and I have a friend who's from Connecticut um uh, Adrian and so they just packed all their stuff they, they got all their stuff and they left like wow like they had to organize like getting all the rest of their stuff because they left so quickly yeah. um like through like all, it was a whole mess like it was a whole like even my stuff in the garage from when I moved out because it was so quick like it's all like just thrown in there like nothing's organized yes. like just got out of there so quick and mine was more of a I was the last one of my friend group to decide that I was going home too because for mm-hmm. a while I was trying to try to spin it to stay on campus because mm-hmm. I was thinking like oh I want to have access to the library I want to be able to like you study know, yeah all that like, stuff study and and you know I liked to my independence I mean I miss it I miss the independence of it um but yeah I remember like I was one of the last people to decide but then I'm glad I didn't because stay because um what ended up happening was this they like condensed all the dorms Mm -hmm. into like because they didn't want to keep open all the dorm buildings so they just condensed them into so then people got put in all kinds of different rooms and it just yeah, I only have one friend who's at UCLA right now, Lonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an RA. Okay. Um, but she, I don't, I don't get the sense that she likes it very much because <laughs> they're Ooh. super on, they're super strict right now about oh, everything. That makes sense. I mean, I, I don't have friends this year that are, well, do I? I'm not quite sure if I have friends this year that are RAs, but it's so different at my school because they have RAs but very limited. However our housing situation at our school is way more lenient than what it sounds like at UCLA, given, like I said, we are a private school, so they have to get some type of money somehow. So it just makes sense. But, okay, you mentioned something really interesting, sense of independence. Okay, let's talk about that just a little bit. Um, This is totally not on our script, but I like it because no one ever talks about when you leave. Okay, that summer from when you graduated high school to going into college. Tell me how that freshman year went when you were like, whoa, I have a sense of independence. Yeah, I mean, I think most people feel like a little bit of a fish out of water thing when you, especially when you make the move to a city that's like, at least far enough that you don't feel like you're home. Mm. Like, I I was, I mean, LA is too so big, so it's like you feel like, you know, it's a little overwhelming, it's a little scary, especially when you like you go you go out and you have to like walk to get like groceries and things. It's like, oh my goodness, like it feels like I'm actually an adult now. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I remember I. When I, on my 18th birthday, I like cried mm-hmm. because I was like, dude, I don't want to be an adult. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, there's like, there's a sense of like almost mourning for like childhood. Like, yeah. then, you know, there's, there's a simpleness to it that's, that's nice. And, and, you know, as you get older, it's like, you start to become more aware of like the things going on in the world and it's, and it's, you know, things aren't as 
as like simple and fun anymore, you know? And it's like, it can't be forever, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still, it still was upsetting. And so um, I felt like a kid Mm. for a long time. And um, when I went off to college, I actually started to feel like, you know, I'm like an actually an adult. And it's funny because I remember when I did, um, I started to make the adjustment and, you know, like feel a sense of independence and like growth and like I have to take care of my own things, set my own schedule. My parents actually both started regarding me differently. Mm. They would talk to me about different topics than they had before. Like they would just be more candid with me. Like they talked to me more like an equal, which mm. I, I'm thankful for because I know a lot of people did not have the same experience. A lot of my friends, like their no. kids, their parents will talk to them like they're babies. And, you know, I, and, um, but what's funny because, you know, when I have, when I did come back from dorming to my house, it's like, I feel like I started, I feel like a kid again. Like you I feel, feel like, like you're getting trapped into that like childhood. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm in my, my childhood bedroom that I've been in since I was, I think I've been in this one since I was nine. Wow. So it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's so easy to feel like, like a stupid baby. I don't know. Like and I know <laughs> yeah. so many of my friends feel the same. And it's funny because um, it's almost mirrored in like a lot of my interests. Like I'll like listen to like a bunch of like old music, like from when I was like a kid. And I'll just like, I'm just like such a sucker for nostalgia right now. Mm-hmm. Where I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a thing where it's like, a, I just feel like, like I'm a kid. Like, I feel like I'm not, I'm not in that, in that adult mindset that I was when I had more independence like something simple as like picking what I was going to eat when I was going to eat when I was going to shower when I was going to go to bed like all these things like yep that's like the biggest thing that all of my friends especially when they come home for the summer they're like you just don't understand because obviously I commute and the biggest thing is like you don't even understand like just the simplest thing like you said when I want to eat who I want to hang out with you know, you don't have to tell your parents every little thing. And with me, it's like, no, I, I mean, luckily I am blessed that I have parents that are not like on my neck about those type of things. Um, I don't really have a curfew, but to be honest, like I don't really stay out too late. Um, but it's just one of those things. So, okay. Before we jump into a whole bunch of questions, let's Let's have everyone know what your major is, what you're involved in at school. Uh, I'm a sociology major. I'm probably, I'm looking right now, I just applied to be a public affairs minor. Nice. Um, and I, the main thing I'm involved with is uh, this magazine called Fem Magazine. Mm-hmm. Normally we publish like actual physical magazines once per quarter, but obviously since like Normally what we do is we go on Brunewalk and we hand them out to people. So it's like, Mm -hmm. that's not uh, really like feasible right now. So we're doing an online edition and this quarter we're also sending out um, zines too, which are like printed on like copy paper. It's like a shortened version of like the, what would be the actual magazine, Mm -hmm. um, which I will have a drawing in. I'm so I'm a designer for femme and um, I have a personal piece also that I'm doing for the next issue, which is called the possession issue Mm. um, because each issue has like a theme Mm -hmm. so the next one we're doing is called a possession issue and it's like possession in the in multiple senses in terms of like you know like property in terms Mm. of like possessing you know another person and and being possessive Mm -hmm. and um or also just like the spooky sense of being possessed by something Mm. Um, so yeah I think it'll be a really fun issue I'm really excited uh for it Excited for yeah. you. I mean, I know briefly about FEM, but do you want to just talk a little bit like why, what is FEM and how you got involved with it? 
So FEM is a feminist magazine. Um, we put an emphasis on like intersectionality and intersectional feminism, which is like really important to me because there's a lot of feminist yes. organizations on campus. Um, but it was important to me to be part of one that is not just like girl boss. Like, <laughs> girl boss. <Yes. laughs> so, so I'm, and FEM's really great like that. And FEM, people, people's politics in the FEM, uh, I think really kind of like push the status quo Mm -hmm. and there's definitely um a lot of radical people in there Mm -hmm. which I appreciate and um and I think our what we put out reflects that Mm -hmm. um like definitely there's a lot a lot of things you that um I definitely would not be held opinions held by people I went to high school with let's put it that way like some things that are um you know they're more like I said, like pushing the envelope, pushing, pushing the status quo, um, more radical leftist politics. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. And so, yeah, like I said, we put out a physical magazine normally, and we also have a radio station. We yeah. also have, um, I think it's through UCLA radio. I'm not sure though. Oh, nice. Um, and then, uh, and then we do some video content and we do some other little things. Cool. Yeah. We have like an Instagram and all that. But yeah. I've, I've thrown all my things. I've looked at it a couple times. How is the social life at at UCLA? I mean, it seems like it's thriving considering you guys have multiple clubs that I guess revolve around feminism, but it branches off as we see, especially with Fem Magazine, that you guys more so focus on like an intersectionality aspect of it. So what does the social life look like there? So the in focusing on clubs specifically, um, I think there's something crazy like thousands like four thousand clubs or something like register or something like that there's so many and that's one of the good things I like about um UCLA just bigger UCs is that there are so many people that it's like there you're bound to find your niche if you look hard enough for it um so yeah there's like a ton a ton a ton of clubs like normally um when we're in person we have like this thing called the enormous activities fair Mm -hmm. which is like between like the library and like the other main buildings there's like the all these tables like hundreds of tables of people like uh getting people to join yeah. their clubs I think we have like I think we have like 10 acapella clubs oh like there's like a million of them. I think the the lore is that the first one started and then like everybody got rejected from the second one and everyone got rejected from the second one from the third one <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> I'm not sure if that's accurate but I would believe it I believe it too yeah uh there's also like a bunch of service clubs or whatever um so yeah there's a ton of clubs there's a ton of clubs mm-hmm. and um yeah it's just really a matter of like trying them out and finding like the type of people you vibe with exactly. I guess um I know another big social aspect I think almost everybody at UCLA has been to at least one frat party yeah. especially people who've dorm okay been to at least one frat party not my scene particularly Mm-mm. but you know it's fun to go at least once since like once in a while it. yeah you know, i'd be like to say you went to a frat party and all that exactly um yeah not the problematic one every time i go visit ucla it's that one i don't even know what what fraternity it is but sae is mm-hmm. the most infamous but there's there's uh, there's other ones too oh. that have been that have done oh. bad things Ooh, yikes okay so is ucla like the movies okay specifically I remember senior year, I was obsessed with um, the show, the white, what, what was the show? Dear White People. Dear White People. So yeah. does UCLA live up to the hype? I know that there's other movies and shows that- Legally Blonde is another Legally Blonde. Is. So is yeah. it kind of like, what do you think? 
Um, you know, it's funny because since I've been home with quarantine, like I'm definitely like feeling really nostalgic for UCLA, even though I technically still go there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like every time I go back to campus now, I'm like, oh my God, UCLA, like the campus. And it's, you know, it feels so, uh, I don't know, it feels so like has such a gravitas, yeah. I guess, when I go. But um, uh, let's see, this is one for some hype. I don't know. It's, it's, I guess that'll depend on your mindset mm-hmm. <laughs> and who, you know, it's a lot. UCLA is, um, well, I don't know. It, it's a, definitely a pretty campus. It has pretty yes. parts. I mean, some of them are really ugly, but there's some of, some parts of campus are really, really nice and they like really are. are really, really pleasant. You can sit out in the grass and be like, ah, oh, college. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you listen to some vampire weekend and be like, oh, oh my God, college wow. is so fun. Like, you know what? UCLA gives main character vibes. Whenever I'm there, yeah, you walk down canvas with like a with like a coffee from um, oh what was that? What's that one coffee place called? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all have like ten, huh? <laughs> there's, there's like a bunch of little coffee places. That's the other thing about UCLA okay. that I really miss is like the food. Yeah, is mm-hmm. it really lives up to the to the hype? It does. I mean, well, there's things there that are not like you know like gourmet like delicious yeah. like i've had bad meals there. college but like um it's definitely like oh my god like i miss being able to i mean not even just the dorm food because the dorm food is also really good but there's also a lot of good eating places on campus too like there's this place called ackerman which is kind of like right in the hub of the of the campus that's mm-hmm. like by the Bruin bear and it has like a bunch of like little restaurants in there and it's just a nice place to hang out and it's just so does it live to the heights i think it can live up to the hype the, the vibes can be pretty good i have mm-hmm. to say um especially when you start like exploring the campus more and you start joining more clubs and appreciating like going all like clubs will put on little shows that you can go to yeah um you know stuff like that it's just it's when you when you make use of it it it's a I I personally love UCLA UCLA is really pretty it's really nice um and every time I go there I really do get main character vibes I'm just like wow like if in another life I would have went to UCLA but okay, what are some of the pros and cons of attending UCLA? Um, so like I said, I think we out of the UCs, I'm pretty sure we have the largest student body. I think it's like a forty thousand people or something like that. Which is funny because we're also one of the smallest campuses. Oh, um, wow. sometimes you definitely feel that when you're walking in the halls. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, it's a lot of people, and I it was. I didn't want to feel like I was in high school 2.0. That was always really important to me. Like I wanted a very big student, not very big, but at least a considerable size um, student body, which is why I never really had much interest in a lot of the Ivies because they tend to be a little smaller and have more of a close knit vibe going on, Mm -hmm. um, especially depending on department. Um, But yeah, UCLA is, is huge. And so it's like, you have, you have a, I mean, a lot of, um, like diversity in people and interests and uh, well I mean there's some ways where the diversity is lacking but no. I, I won't get into that too much but um uh it's definitely it's I think it's nice to have breathing room almost yeah like and like and room to you know stretch your wings a little bit and to and to have more opportunities to interact with like for instance like there's when I I was talking to my mom about this today when when I went to college, one of the things I came to appreciate was um, like how different people's 
high school experiences were and like hometown experiences were based on like income because like I mean it's just like night and day yeah. it's, it's like I you know I have friends who went I have a friend who went to a boarding school like one of the top yes. boarding schools in the country and so his experience was completely different from mine in high yeah. school and it's just like it just is um you know I don't know it's striking it's just striking but um to the point of like um pros and cons like I say a pro is like there's a lot of different type of people um another pro is that I think with something a big school like that you have a lot of resources Um, especially if you go looking for them um there are a bunch of different counselors a a bunch of different groups that are that will help you um like I got first aid certified uh on no CPR certified on campus like one time and I got you know there's a lot of there's a lot of and there's activities Mm -hmm. there's a lot of events like um and also you know one thing I don't really think about too often as a pro, but I, I, I really love is that, you know, it's kind of corny, but I feel like when I'm at UCLA and when I'm at being part of UCLA, I feel like there's like a legacy and there's like a history, mm. like connected to the school. There is, yeah. Like there's, I, mean, I was, I like love looking at old yearbooks for UCLA, like old pictures and videos and stuff like that from like 1960, 1950, 1940, wow. 1930, like going, I think 1919 is when we opened. Whoa. So, um, I didn't yeah. know that. So, um, I mean, seeing like old black and white videos of campus, it's like, oh my gosh. And like, the, there's like parking lots where like these huge buildings are now, but oh my gosh, it makes me, I don't know. It's like special. It, it feels is. like it's, it's, you're part of, you know, you're something big, something, I guess. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, it, there's no hiding that UCLA has like this very long standing, like strong alumni presence, especially I know, for example, obviously your guys' rival school, USC. It's like when people go to those schools, they are proud for their entire life. They're like, UCLA. Um, So yeah, go Bruins. So I mean, like there's nothing shameful there. But something that I also am pondering on is do you think that UCLA is doing a better job at admitting students that for example, like when you told me that story about your friend that went to the boarding school, you know, boarding school is expensive. So do you think they are doing a good job at like reaching out to different incomes? Um, so the thing is, is that, okay, so UCLA is actually on the list of one of the schools that's best about admitting people from lower incomes, oh, good. Um, which is all relative, right? Because obviously, and I think to a certain extent, anything that's based on like meritocracy like that is in terms of like admissions is going to if there's inequalities in the society that they pull from Mm. then there's going to be there's going to be inequality in in who's admitted because as long as you're looking at certain like factors like extracurriculars and test scores and whatever like what else you supposed to admit on but also when you do admit based on those things um you know kids just have an advantage when they come from wealthier backgrounds or privileged backgrounds in general. Um, like my friend, my friend Adrian, who went to the boarding school, he got, um, that's funny. If he listens to it, he's gonna be like, you're obsessed with me. Yeah. But, um, uh, but he probably won't that to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> they probably won't. <laughs> he, he's a busy guy. Yes. But um, he got a, a, a 1490 on his SAT or no, wow. 1590, 1590, oh, yeah, 15, even crazier, 15. Yeah, almost a perfect score out of 1600, right? And, you know, it's funny because I, I, when he said that, I had to, like, take a step back because I really don't think of him as somebody who's that much smarter than me or so much smarter than a lot of my other friends. 
but he comes from such a wealthy background that he's had those resources his whole life. He went to schools that were like constructed to prepare him for those things. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like everything in his life was like leading towards success in that area, you know? And it's like, obviously I have a lot more privilege than a lot of other people, but it's like, even, even I, it's like, you know, going to Hillcrest, I mean, living in Riverside, like we're not having those resources at Hillcrest no. High School. especially at Hillcrest because it's so new yeah and that's the interesting thing about SATs is that um like there's directly correlated to your income level like the higher income your level the the higher your SAT score will be and um you know it's just so I think there's they're trying starting to phase um SAT score out but even stuff with GPA and grades and extracurriculars like if you're working a job to feed your family like like a minimum wage job or full-time to feed your family or to help feed your family then like obviously you're not going to have time for for National Honor Society you know what I mean so or even grades or even school and so it's like you know a lot of these I was just having a conversation about this like with one of my friends the other week it's just like when those things as long as those things exist they're going to exist in colleges too. And there's going to be inequality in the way that colleges admit as long as yep. it's based on meritocracy. Um, so, or alleged meritocracy, mm. but um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I say that's part of the con of UCLA is like that there's, there's definitely people who are there who um, their life was set up to yeah. get, make it so that they could be there. Exactly. And, you know, there's some kids who I feel don't, like fully appreciate it or don't um you, you know they they're they're taking I, sometimes I feel like there's these kids who almost like paid to resume pad um you know they're ultimately they're taking a spot from a kid who's lower income who could be there who would you know love be it bringing something who'd love it and be bring something great to the table um so yeah I mean and that's not exclusive to UCLA that's 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 a that's Across a college-wide problem it is a college um, particularly problem. with these like um quote unquote like elite colleges it's interesting because it's like uh i don't know the, the other con about ucla i'll say is that um sometimes the culture can be really competitive and really like 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 i one of the things that things that struck me when i went to ucla my first quarter was that like when finals and midterms rolled around that people almost like took pride in, in all, in staying up all night. And like, mm. I studied this much. I studied for 48 hours straight and I did this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I think it's, and I know at Berkeley from the stories I've heard from people that it's the same, if not worse. Uh. Um, but it's, it can be really like competitive and weird and people don't like to show, especially new, like freshmen and sophomores don't like to show, when they're confused or when they 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 need help or anything like that wow. like they feel like you have to like front like oh yeah I know exactly what's going on and I don't need any help and I need you know um which is not beneficial to anybody nope it's like in reality we're all confused and so you <laughs> might as well admit it yeah I mean that was what I was going to kind of ask you is do you feel like because I hear all the time that especially at I guess elite schools that people like there's this atmosphere where it's so cutthroat where people don't even want to tell each other like their GPAs or what they're getting in you know certain Mm -hmm. classes so do you feel like UCLA kind of sways that way or is that more so I think like you said Berkeley where they don't really want to talk about their GPAs and stuff like that 
Well, I think, I think it really depends on your department too, because, mm. um, I feel like the more competitive ones, like pre-med and STEM and stuff like that are going to be, um, and engineering things of that sort are a lot more cutthroat. Like people, I've heard stories about like, I forget whose story this is, but some story about how, uh, somebody promised to turn in like the other classmates homework for some reason like oh because they were going walking back into the classroom and they threw it out threw it in the trash and it's like wow stuff crazy stuff like that like um you know people do that and 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 I personally haven't experienced it thank god mm-hmm. um but I I know it definitely exists I think it's 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 more of a problem in the really hyper competitive uh majors things and they have like this mentality like work hard play hard too mm-hmm. this is a big thing at Berkeley too like where it's like you're supposed to work like a like way too much like study way too more than you need to like be way too into it and way too competitive and then just like do like heroin on the weekend like <laughs> <laughs> that's insane like it, it, it I mean college in general like that's such a toxic behavior that it's not sustainable no yeah not in even the slightest for example I know especially at my high school I mean all of like the top students they were like oh we 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 pulled an all-nighter to you know pass this AP bio exam and da 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 and I'm like okay like I don't think that you losing sleep is like something that you can flex on and that's like proved proven that like that's not helpful but it is almost like a it's like it's like it's almost like your your pain and your sweat and your this that and the other is like your suffering is like almost like righteous in a way and and like for school and stuff which um, I think is a little bit tied to um kind of like the rugged individual thing of like you feel like you have to like almost prove yourself and struggle and to really like 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 claw your way up in order to like get anything I mean I think there's so much anxiety around um you know getting a career and holding a career and getting money and things like that and then that's so intrinsically tied to people's sense of self-worth that like when you go to these colleges which you know people start thinking about their careers and stuff they feel like if I want to be successful, if I want to be at the top of the heap and I want to have all this money, then I have to tear everybody else down because like, I need to be at the top of this hierarchy, not at the bottom. Mm. And it's like, there's not this, 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 which is why I think it's, it's worse than like more STEM because I think they, they, they are less critical of these things and maybe like a sociology major, like I am. <laughs> it's like of, of the sense of, um we can't all rise together like some of the people just gotta be at the bottom and that's gotta be that um which obviously I have many issues with but um yeah I I think I think there's quite a few students I'm not gonna say that that that's like across the board though that culture because I I don't really don't think there that is and there's a lot of students that will help you and are there for you and that will like you know collaborate with you to try to like make things easier on you and um I think a lot of clubs help in that. Like they, there's like multiple uh, mental health clubs and things of that sort and tutoring and things like that. So uh, I wouldn't say it's across the board, but it definitely exists. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, um, you notice it when you, when you first enroll. Oh, yikes. Okay. So how is the quarter system? Do you like the quarter system? Because 10 weeks just seems a little bit too like quick for me. Is that something that is doable or what? 
don't hate it actually. I think I, you know it's it's nice um, when at any given time in the quarter you feel like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. So it's like if you're really struggling with like a midterm or something like that, it's like oh, I only got four more weeks yeah. and I'm done. So it's no, like done. it's like you get, you have like you never feel like you're stuck in this class forever. You're like, I just got to make it through to the end and then I'm then of this class and then I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's a good thing about it. It definitely is very fast paced and every single quarter up until now, I'm in my third year. And even now it's like, I'm like, Oh my God, I think we're, what are we in week seven right now? I think we're in week seven. Wow. And it's like, we only got 10 weeks. Yeah. And so it's like, Oh my God, I feel like I just started this class yesterday. Like, I don't even know. I sincerely don't know my professor's names. And I doesn't. Is it just because good. of like this because whole I, online I, I, thing? No, I didn't know them at school either. Haley, we switch out so okay. often that I don't even learn these. I you know I learn. I'm more likely to learn my TAs names because I can actually like talk to them more and like mm. put a face to name and have more constant interaction with them. But like with professors, it's like oh my god! Like I think I remember like all of like three professors' names. Like mm. we go through so quick. Um, which also the bad thing about the core system is that you can't really go super in depth into things that maybe could, would deserve a little bit more depth. Yeah. Like you, like you can't really focus on one topic in a class for too long if you, cause then you can't get to the rest of the topics. Exactly. So um, the scope of, of classes tends to be a little bit more narrow. Narrow. I think. Yeah. Okay. So what has been one of your favorite classes you've taken? I think the classes I've gotten the most out of, um would be I took this class which is one of the ones you sat in on um contemporary contemporary uh moral philosophy mm. which sounds like really like yeah. <laughs> but um it it was about like things like our obligations to give to the poor and like abortion and like all like like relevant and and um medical testing like mm-hmm. testing new drugs and things like that um in third world countries specifically what is the issue um and so it talked about like a lot of like like modern issues that would be interesting to like actually discuss and to consider that Mm -hmm. you normally you know like a lot of like abortion like debates right like they'll talk about they'll just like go on surface level like either it's wrong or it's okay Mm -hmm. you know you don't really like to like break down yeah why um so I found that that class really rewarding um even though it was pretty hard and then um uh, and then I also took this class called uh, Race and Ethnicity. Mm-hmm. It was for my major. And um, that one I got a lot out of, too. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, obviously you know that, 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 like, racism exists. But when, you know, you read it, you read, like, these academic texts on it. And you read things like studies that give you very specific, like, evidence of it. It's, like, so glaring. And it's like, you know, I, I use a lot of information um, that I learned in that class in conversation with people now and also yeah. and, you know a good thing about these sociology classes is that like you know it'll emphasize that like these things are constructs or social constructs yeah. and it's like so being like it was not it's not to say when I say social constructs who I don't mean that it's like unimportant because yeah. social if things are real in people's minds they're real you yeah know what I mean but you know I think it's important not biological because if things are biological you're born that way and it's inherent Mm -hmm. but if like if it's assigned to you it's put onto you then all then race and all the stereotypes that go along with it um and whiteness and all these constructs are just you know they're put on and they don't have to be that way and it's like then I feel like it's a more optimistic way to look at it because then it's like you know we don't have to be 
hyper fixated on things and like you know actively racist and systemically racist mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's it's you know it's we made it so we can break it down is what it is yeah the way I look at it. yeah exactly i remember we had a whole like talk about that too it's just like yeah. some of these systems were built by us so it's like yeah. why are we still facing you know things like racism especially systematic racism but some people don't believe in systematic racism and i'm just like okay mm-hmm. whatever whatever you Which think that's the interesting thing and that's the thing about the race and ethnicity class is that like every single chapter was like 10 new examples of why systemic racism is real. I mean, you really have to be ignoring everything that's factual and proven and true to believe that there's no such thing as racism, and, or at least racism on a larger scale. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like when you brought up that really good point to me, especially with how, um, I believe, SAT scores and like just standardized testing scores put there's such an emphasis on how students are able to go to college just by those scores and it never yeah. registered in my mind okay well one I know for example some of the students that I went to school with in high school they didn't even have enough money to take an SAT yeah so it's like right. okay well we already know where they're going to be going right or what they're going to right. be doing with life but that is like a form of systemic racism and people just I guess don't want to open their eyes to that but that's beyond me like I'm so beyond that now so beyond. yeah for sure I mean it's it's funny because you know people really do take a lot of these things for granted and it's like uh it's funny because when people point them out they're like oh you're just being a snowflake you're just thinking too hard about it mm-hmm. and it's like but you haven't actually sat with it and no. you haven't actually thought through it and looked at the history and like whatever. And it's like, you know, when you sit with these things for a long time, like even, you know, I've been thinking a lot about gender lately mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, most, for most people, their gender is just taken for granted. Like they just are like, well, I'm a girl or I'm a boy and that's that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And um, it's like, when you sit with that and you ask them, what does that actually mean? And then you'll start asking more questions sure about like, what does that mean for me? How many of the things that I've done in my life have been genuine and how many of them have been coerced? Mm. And it's like, it's like this with any other social construct that we contend with. And it's like, um, you know, I, I think these, a lot of conservatives like mm-hmm. have a very narrow view of, like, they just think that like everything came into being one day and that was that. And mm-hmm. it's like, like, it's like, you have to think about what went into forming these and the legacy of these things. Like, I, you know, it's funny because you'll say to somebody like, oh, here's X, Y, Z. Like, there's here's 10 examples of, of, of systemic racism and that have affected our current day. And they'll be like, well, I just don't think it affects us currently. Like, slavery doesn't affect us currently. It's like, does history just begin and end on one day? No. no we study history because it, it's, it's, a, it's a line. It's, you know, it's dialectic. It goes back and forth. And if this affects that, and then, you know, it's like, it's, uh, people really don't. They don't, I don't <laughs> under know. Under these things, I guess. Yeah. Which not to be. Not to be like, oh, like I'm, I ponder these things because I'm smart. Oh, you know, yeah, no, no, not no, at I all. Mean, it's, really, it's really not like that. It's like, there are obviously are a lot of people who ponder this. And I think, I would hope that social media um, encourages people to think more about these things. Me too. They have access to more points of views. Uh, though it can be, the online can be a little bit of an echo chamber too. So I don't, I don't know. That's I don't know. So but I like true. to be optimistic. I know yeah. you do like to be optimistic and I appreciate that because 
especially right now, it can be difficult when there is a new infographic every single day and you're just like, okay, I yeah. get it. I get it. So yeah, it's just interesting. Um, something else that I would really like just to talk about is you went into college with a relationship. You're still in a relationship. How has that been? Balancing a relationship. I mean, not everyone gets to have the luxury of having their significant other at the same college. So how has that been? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's funny because, um, well, when I started college, uh, Ben and I had already been in a relationship for, this is 2018, so four years. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, at this point, it's like, I know him so well and he knows me so well that it's just easy. It's just, okay. it's just easy and comfortable. It's like, I think most, I mean, obviously any relationship is work and mm-hmm. any, well, I don't want to frame it as work, but it's, you have to put an effort, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause obviously else, else it'll wither away, I guess, or mm-hmm. it'll, people feel, feel neglected or what have you. But that being said, it's, it's definitely not like a new relationship where you have to like be worried about this or be like overly like, like worrying about what you're saying or doing, you know, when you're in a relationship for so long, I mean, and you see this in like people's parents and grandparents or whatever, like, it's just easy. It's like, you're just f- your best friends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, it's, um, it's a, it's a place you can go to at the end of the day, no matter what, that's going to bring you like safety and comfort. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're in a new situation, like college, that can be so stressful. Um, it's, uh, it's very nice to have, friends and also significant other that you can that you can lean on that you can that you can know is going to be there for you and to and to bring you joy and comfort even if everything else is overwhelming and stressful yes because college is definitely everything like that how how was it making friends because you have a solid group of friends like a friend group now so how did that all come about especially since UCLA is so big so the funny thing is that I talk about my my friends. I talk to my friends about this all the time. Is that most of us know each other by luck? Like mm. there's a series of people who knew other people, <laughs> and it's like, like my friend Ryan, for instance. Mm-hmm. I know him because he met Jada, I think, on Facebook on a Facebook group. Wow. And Jada knew Ben because he lived on her floor, and also they had met at orientation. And I knew Ben, so it's like there's this, this series of people to Ryan, who's one of my closest friends now. Uh, and if only one of those people would have been removed from the equation, I wouldn't wow. know Ryan. So it's, and that's funny. And it's, you know, that's how life is. It's a lot of luck involved. Um, <laughs> a lot of luck. I yeah. love that though. I mean, it, I, I mean, I'm making, we, we can go on a whole tangent because I know many people at UCLA, but it's just interesting because I know that you really do have to put it in work especially when you go to college. Like that's my biggest takeaway for anyone that is maybe going into college or or is in college. Like you have to put in the work, you have to be the one to, you know, make those relationships happen. So it's kind of cool how yours just came about like that. Yeah. I, I almost felt like, I don't know. I almost felt like when I was trying to force it, mm. like I would like go to clubs or whatever. And I'd be like, man, hi. Like that it, it wouldn't, it just would never work. work. And I, I almost felt like the ones that the friendships I have that have been the most fruitful mm-hmm. and the most fulfilling and the most, and the closest um, were just came about organically. And I feel like one of the most important things 
when you go to college and to make friends is just to be open to it. It's just simply to be open to it and to and to let those connections happen when they're going to happen. And I feel like a lot of people think that they're open to it, um, but really they're not. Mm. Like really their mind is back at their hometown. Their mind is elsewhere. Their mind is with the friends that they've always hung out with uh, that they know from high school. You know what I mean? And I feel like you just have to honestly be open to, to new connections and to new people because people feel that. You know what I mean? If people feel you're closed off, um, then they're not going to reciprocate. They're not going to seek you out. They're not going to, you're not going to be able to form something there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like when I was, I, I was really frustrated with myself when I first got to UCLA because I was like, why am I not making friends? Because mm. when I first got there, I was really mainly talking to people I knew from high school, like yeah. over the phone and stuff. Um, and I think it was mainly because I just was like anxious all the time. And I was like using my friends back home as a crutch. Mm. And I just wasn't actually, I wasn't being open with people. I wasn't like being friendly. I wasn't like, I was thinking I was, but I actually wasn't. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I don't know. The other thing is, I was I was trying to force relationships to work, mm-hmm. like friendships to work, and like they have chemistry work. with people. And sometimes it's just not there. No, and, you know you can't dwell over that. Yeah, that's like. that's the truth. How was your dorming situation? I noticed that we never even spoke about like the dorming situation, and I feel like you have a pretty unique situation just leading up from your freshman year till your current status before we obviously went on lockdown. Do you just mm-hmm. want to touch on it a little bit? So, um, I think all, uh, freshmen at UCLA have two roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in a, um, what they call plaza, uh, <laughs> my, my freshman year. And I had two roommates that I got randomly, uh, which is funny because they both had the same last name and they were both from, uh, San Jose. Wow. <laughs> funny. Um, wait, no, it wasn't random. Wait, no, it wasn't actually random. Mm-hmm. I take that back. It was that we, I met the one on a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, um, I think we also met on the Facebook group, but like last minute, and it was like not really like we didn't really talk to her much. We just kind of added her. Yeah. Um. It was. It was. I know some people really bond with their roommates, and they like that. Like I know people who their their roommates were their best friends. Like some of my, my friend, um, Jada, one of our closest friends is Lonnie, who was her roommate. Mm. So, um, and so now they're 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 good friends now, and I continue to be good friends with both of them, and um. But that did not happen for me. Yes. No, uh, they did they not. They were just, I don't know. They just were, like, not interested. They were, mm. like, kind of cold. Like, I would try to initiate things with them, like, go to football games or whatever, and they just cancel on me last minute. And I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, it at, at a certain point, you can't force those no, things. No, you can't. it's just going to cause you to feel insecure. You're going to feel, what am I doing wrong? And sometimes it's not anything you're doing. It's just not, you're just, you're just not vibing. And I mean, like, I like that you had this situation because everyone, I mean, for the most part, no one talks about not liking their roommates. Like, I haven't had one friend that is, like, super candid, like, yeah, I didn't really get along with my roommate. So it's good. I mean, like, just speak on it because, for example, for anyone that is listening to this and they don't like their roommate situation, like, what advice do you have to them? (laughs) How did you do it? So a big thing for me was having like maintaining a sense of privacy and like, uh, like my own space. So what I did was I was in the, was in the bottom bunk. So I hung up curtains oh, um, yes. on my bed, like, like where like on top of the, 
like you know you like did it really nice yes yeah so i put curtains up there and it was honestly one of the best things i did for my living situation it was such a small thing but then when i closed the curtains i felt like i'm in my own space now i might be in a little shoebox of a space mm-hmm. but i'm in my own space and i felt like I could have like a little bit of privacy and I could be watching like a movie or I could be, you know, yeah. eating food or something. And I didn't feel like, I felt like I had my own space. space. So that's the first thing is having your own space, whether that be your desk or your bed or something, like having a place that is uniquely yours. Because you should not be one of those people who shares everything with your roommates because you'll, I feel like no. you're, especially if you're a person like me, who has never had roommates growing up, like you need to maintain some sense of like, this is mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it helps you be, stay sane. And then um, mine were never antagonistic towards me. So that it's going to be different if you have roommates that like you can, well, I actually know some people who um, they fought with their roommate. Uh, and um, in that case, you just need to like, try to transfer because if there's if there's antagonism there like you need like it's not gonna be yeah it's way too you're way too like closed in with them to be living that i just can't even imagine living with someone that like is so antagonistic like you said and then you don't have an out like your place of rest is also with them and that is just a no. Yeah, exactly. It's just not going to work. I, I mean, like I, like I said, my um, Jada is also a RA. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, you'll hear stories about these roommates again, these yelling matches with each other. And they're just like, they absolutely have these huge conflicts. And at that point, like, you, you just need to, like, try to get out of there. Because the, your bedroom is not the place to, to be working out all of your issues in life. Nope. Like... Nope. No, like that's gonna be where you you sleep, like you said, and you relax and you get things done. Like you can't be fighting in there. Heck no. Uh, but also part of that, I think people don't know how to choose their battles with their roommates. Mm. It's like every roommate will do things that a like every roommate, like just tiny things. You're like, <laughs> but like you have to know when to bite your tongue and when to nicely say something about it yeah. because it's like. On the one hand, if you never say something, then you're going to build up all this resentment and it's not going to be cute for you. Yeah. And on the other hand, if you if you voice every concern, they're going to be annoyed with you. So it's like you need to like find a balance because um, like it just you, you don't even think about like before you move into with with roommates, like all the things that could possibly annoy you. Like last year I lived in a suite, so I didn't I didn't have had my own little room and then we shared a bathroom. But they used the toilet paper so quickly. They went through that. I don't even know how in the world they used so much toilet paper. But they used so much toilet paper. And it used to drive me nuts because it's like yeah. you go in there and you got to use the bathroom. There's no toilet paper. It's like we just got some yesterday, man. Like how is this already? Uh, how is this gone? Hair. There used to be so much hair in the oh. sink my, my freshman year. And in the shower, like, there'd be like actual hand as balls of hair. It was insane. Haley, no. It's so nasty. No. Uh, but like, well, some of those things, you just gotta laugh it off. You do. You can't be mad about every single thing because then it's like you're just gonna be miserable. You're just gonna be miserable. You really are. I mean, that's why I don't even know. I don't even know if I was built for dorm life. I mean, I personally, like, I'm like you. Like, I have to have some type of privacy. I would have probably done the same exact thing. I wish we have, like, a picture. Because the way that you created that, like, curtain was 
just so smart so smart because it didn't look tacky and it didn't look like oh my gosh like you know this is gonna ruin the vibe or aesthetic of the room like yeah. no it was so simple that I loved it yeah. so much all it was was um it was a tension rod from mm-hmm. Amazon just a simple spring tension rod which it did fall sometimes mm-hmm. but not super often I learned to not sit on the edge of the curtains which would pull it all down but um and then the curtains I think um there's there's windows that are a little bit skinnier that they sell they sell curtains for um those i think those are also amazon um so it's really not like an expensive thing to do um but it really makes like all the difference and i know like i have a few friends who are in very close quarters with people and it is important to like try to make some type of divide and some like close off a space for you especially if you're someone who hasn't had roommates before because it can be tough it like it definitely um that's not my thing in the world but um you know it is what it is it is what it is yes okay so is there any other final words that you would like to wrap up the podcast with this was um well just thanks for having me on i i I, you know i got plenty to say i i love talking (laughs) hearing my own voice no this was really fun we'll have to do it again um i just realized i just realized i never mentioned your podcast no we did not i don't even know why we did not okay so (laughs) well this is going to be at the end um so Haley actually created my podcast art so i get so many questions and actually to just give the whole package deal Haley, what you're who you're listening to right now created the podcast art her boyfriend created the tune the little jingle that you hear at the very beginning of the podcast they are the heart and soul of this podcast so yes that is who that's who you know helped me start this thing uh yeah it's funny because yours your podcasting is one of the first like graphic design things I did because I don't really have Especially when I did yours, I did not have that much of a background in uh, digital art or like socially graphics mm-hmm. type things. Um, so there are ways I, it's funny because when you, when you're new to like using online, like digital, like Photoshop and stuff like that, um, there are certain ways you should go about it in terms of like resolution, in terms of separating your layers and saving different files and different versions and file types and stuff, uh, which I did not do so like every time I went back and had to do uh not had to but I I did like the little animation for like the the one year and I did like different other versions of it like I've had to like finagle it so that I can get to work but I've 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 learned since then and I guess I'll plug my little art instagrams Haley Hobby Mm -hmm. um H-A-I-L-E-Y Hobby and um I not a ton of stuff on there, but I need to update it soon because I have two femme yes. pieces I need to post. And then um, I have a bunch of like paintings and stuff planned um, that I want to get done. Hopefully when I have a moment to breathe yeah, when the quarter sure. slows down. Haley, you have to or post on there. Have to. I know. I'm just not. Oh man. You know, it's hard because it's like, it's hard to you. Well, you know this, it's, 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 it's difficult to yeah. post things that you create. You know, you feel like a little, Yes. Um, protective over it for one until you feel a little bit like you're, yes you don't you're want anyone to critique it like, in the most intimate ways yeah um so yeah and, and interestingly with art is that um 
I've been like making more original Mm -hmm. kind of pieces like in the past few years like I used to do mainly portraiture which not that there's anything wrong with that because people used to always be like Mm -hmm. it's not real art whatever because to me I've always enjoyed art more as a process rather than like the actual final thing like to me like the actual act of sitting down and making something is meditative and it's 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 fulfilling um so I think portraiture is very valid but um I've been making more original things and um that comes with a lot more like the p- the end final yeah. product feels a lot more personal and I feel because it's like your yeah. brainchild you know what I mean so um it's definitely it's 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 interesting because it's a it's hard it's hard to share and it's hard to get the critiques for which is why I would never be an art major because I would not want to go to critiques because that would be awful and I don't want that um even though everybody always tells me why why don't you just be an art major and you be an no, artist thank you I don't want so, anyone to critique and do all that stuff yes so yeah. everyone check out Haley's Instagram. I'll obviously have it linked and on the Locals Podcast um, Instagram for you guys to all check out as well. But Haley is the reason why I even started, you know, this podcast. She really did help me a lot when it came to figuring out all of like the creative side of everything. Um, She honestly helped me with the color scheme because whatever she produced with that podcast cover art, I just kind of (laughs) like interweaved it into the Instagram overlay so I am so happy that we finally finally I mean a year of the podcast we finally have Haley on the podcast so if you guys ever want Haley to come back which she most likely will come back please let me know because we have we have really conversational conversations as you can tell we like to just sit and talk and we can talk about a lot of other Mm -hmm. things too so thank you again Haley okay everyone have a good rest of your day goodbye